This last week, there has been an incredible confluence of events. The first was the G7 meeting. The group of seven leaders of nations that represent over 50% of the world's wealth all coming together in France. And it captures the attention of the world every year when this group gets together to see that concentration of such power in a single location. But what was so unique this year was that when this group that got together, it was not just contending with economic topics that can feel distant, but we're meeting in the midst of climate change becoming a powerful reality in our world. When just last month was the hottest month in the history of record keeping in 140 years. And if that was not soon enough for a worldwide issue and a big enough of a backdrop, the Amazon rainforest was ablaze with twice as many fires as ever before. And this forced the G7 to unplanned deliberations about what should be done immediately. In these moments, our pundits and our discussions are about what kind of leaders are represented at the summit and how will they lead. We talk about their different individual personalities, how Trump will react, focusing on the fact that he skipped the meeting that had to do with the climate. The pundits, they hyper-focus on how Merkel will lead. They deconstruct Marcon, Trudeau, Shinzo Abe, Boris Johnson, etc., trying to gauge the moment. But with all of this, given the urgency of the moment, it really made me wonder what it means to be a leader and how we define a leader in Judaism. Because how we define a leader in the Torah, it's very different than how we discuss our present day leaders. This week in Parsha Re'eh, there's no grand story of what Moses does. It's really just him standing there and explaining rule after rule to the people. So how do we judge a leader in Judaism? Martin Buber, who was born in my family's town of Vienna, Austria in 1878 and died in Jerusalem in 1965, he took on this daunting question of deconstructing what the Bible teaches us about leadership, a lesson that I find speaks as loudly today as it ever has. In Western society, when we talk about leadership, we focus on the individual, we focus on the person's character. Think about each of the candidates running for president or our current president. And the focus of the discussion is often individuality and character. On the other hand, when judging leadership, the Torah is not concerned with either of these aspects of individuality and character. That is not what defines a leader in Judaism. Because obviously, each person is going to be different. So it's not a good measure of what makes a good leader. What the Bible does concern itself with when defining what makes a good leader is the situation that the person finds themselves in and how they respond to it. Ruth Wintraub, a survivor of the Holocaust and a member of the greatest generation, was asked what made her generation the greatest generation, and what was it about their character that helped them stand up to fascism and then engage in a world war? And without a pause, she said, sweetie, we did not choose to be the greatest generation. The time chose us. All of our biblical leaders are defined as leaders based upon the situations that they found themselves in. 
Buber argues that biblical leaders in the strict sense are not those who are just continuators, people who continue what's already happened. All of those who are not called, elected, or appointed, figures like Joshua and Solomon are common throughout history, but would not fall into the classification of a true leader according to the Bible. Joshua is a great military figure who carries out a task, but is like many other characters we find in history who are great military figures. Solomon is a king, a wise king, but he's just a king. He builds a grand temple, which we still congregate around today in Jerusalem. But that was his task that he carried out, not leadership. Moses is the one who starts the task, but then it's Joshua who finishes. David is not allowed to complete the temple, but Solomon is. Being a leader does not mean that you have completed the task you have set out to do. When looking solely at character when it comes to leadership, we usually focus on who is strong and are able to force their cause through. But in the Torah, it is usually the opposite. It's the younger son who is chosen. It's Moses who has a speech impediment. And these leaders are often rejected as a result. Think of Joseph Joseph, in a pit being sold to slavery because he's overwhelmed by his older and his stronger brothers. In our present world, it's hard to fathom this because what we elevate, what we write about is the ones who are victorious and don't falter. We teach about the Civil War, not the War of Northern Aggression. We talk about Michael Jordan's Chicago Bulls, but not about who they beat in the finals, which were the Lakers, the Trailblazers, the Suns, the Supersonics, and the Utah Jazz twice, in case you were wondering. We talk about FDR, but not his opponent, Wilkie, or Landon. We talk about Eisenhower, but not Stevenson. We talk about Ulysses S. Grant, but not Seymour, Thomas Jefferson, and not Pinckney. The Torah does not work this way. If anything, it's the opposite. Whenever a success is announced, all of the failure must also be included in that story. Think about Moses. We think of him as successful, but that is mixed in with constant failures. He leads our people out of Egypt, but those same people also defeat him. Think about the complaining at the Sea of Reeds, the golden calf, the spies looking in Israel. And it's not like he does not fail. He kills an Egyptian out of anger. He strikes a rock out of anger. And in the end, he's not even allowed to go into Israel. But in all of this failure... He is a leader who affects us to this day. Moses has massive faults, but he responds to the time that he is in. He sees the world as it is, a world of slavery, a world of death, and then he stumbles his way and leads a people from slavery to freedom to their own land. And the story, it's not done. We get to Israel and then we fail. The temple's destroyed, we go to exile, and now we're back today And we're people who are still torn apart in 2019 about Israel, be it the Palestinian and Israeli conflict, Orthodox and liberal Judaism, economic disparity. But leadership is not about completing the tasks. It's about responding to the moment that you are in and moving the world in the arc in the direction that the world is supposed to go. Buber writes, The glorification of failure culminates 
in the long line of prophets whose existence is failure through and through. They live in failure. It is for them to fight and not to conquer. In 2 Isaiah 49.2, it's written, He made my mouth like a sharpened blade. He hid me in the shadow of his hand, and he made me like a polished arrow. He concealed me in his quiver. This right here is the ultimate for a prophet to say that they're just a tool. They're a blade in a quiver. And not only in the quiver, but hidden. Because even though the work that they are trying to do, they are not seen in the world. They're in obscurity. Even though it's the right thing to do. Success is not coming in their lifetime. But that was never the point of a leader. A leader is not focused on success or completing the mission in their life. They have a concern for all of humanity. They have a concern for all of the people that will come after them, that will never know them as the decades and then the centuries covers them up in obscurity. For the generations that will live in a hospitable climate because people in 2020, they never stopped fighting for a world that their great, 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 great grandkids would inherit and never know what that generation did to enable their future. When each of us spend our time looking forward, looking towards France and the G7 or towards Washington to find leadership, according to the Torah, we're looking in the wrong direction. Leadership is not found in the clean history, but rather leadership is found in those who react to the generation that they're a part of those who react to the circumstances that they find themselves in. Leadership is found sometimes yelling into a ferocious wind where your individual voice is hidden and muffled by the winds of the time. But true leadership is knowing that it was never about your individual voice being remembered because there are times where we see the world so clearly as it should be and we know the work that we are here to do. It's not for me. It's actually not for any of us. It's actually for them. Them. Those who are not even here yet. Each of us in this room will not be remembered. But the biblical person is not motivated by the short history of our lifetime, but is motivated by the whole of reality that exists beyond each of our breaths, but not past our imaginations of what the world should be. All of us have potentials to be leaders in this world, in the care of this world and the generations that will follow. And that journey for a biblical leader, it's not a clean one or one that exists only in victory. But that journey is one tied together like the seams in a mast on a boat in a storm, with each stitch in that that sail being a stitch of failure. But it's those failures that enables that boat to lurch forward through the riling seas that makes up the times that we live in today. May each of us dream beyond our lives and then lean into the failures that are in our past and the many more failures that are in our future as we head toward that horizon of peace and wholeness. Shabbat Shalom.